Let's go right into 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Everybody say, let there be light. Uh, It says in Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now we know Jesus is the light that enlightens every man, but we also know that he bestowed the title on the apostolic age, you're the light of the world. And he also perpetuates that for every man, woman, and child of God in today's world, you're called to bear light, you're light bearers. You're called out of darkness to walk in this marvelous light. And uh, I want to read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we are befuddled by why people wouldn't just respond and and yield to the Lord and get saved. And it says, therefore, it says in chapter 4, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case, look at this, the small g God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Paul the Apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit, called the devil, Satan, the small g God of this world. That's because he, in fact, is the small g God of this world. God is God of the heavens and the earth, but the devil temporarily has this usurped, corrupt strategy to try to blind people's eyes, to deceive. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy In the world's case, with people that are in bondage, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So just right here, we need to pray and come against those mind-blinding spirits, don't we? We need to pray that light will show forth. And you know, again, just like God told Israel to arise and shine, he's telling the church, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Light is not to be put in a bushel basket and under a bed. It's not to be privatized. It's to be brought forth. We're actually called to be a lampstand. In Revelation chapter 2, the church is defined as a candlestick, as a lampstand. And we're, we're called to provide light and we're called to impact the society around us. So it says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, look at this, light shall shine out of darkness. Could you say that? Light shall shine out of darkness. Say it again. Light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now, Daniel in his day said, light excels darkness. But I love this verse. I go to this verse often because he said light would shine out of darkness. When I got saved as a teenager in Southern California during the late 60s, early 70s, the context I was raised in, I remember as a child the Watts riots not far from where I lived. I remember conflict in my own high school where they canceled school for two weeks due to racial disharmony. I I remember uh, one of the teachers selling LSD to us students I remember the, the uh, uh, social uh, unhinging that was taking place during my development. And, it, and it go, growing up under those fast-paced conditions, it produced huge insecurities, not only in me, but a lot of people. And, and our generation prior to us went through uh, a lot of changes, um, you know, with the, the World War II, with uh, 
the crash of the stock market in 29, with, with the depression, with, with the Dust Bowl. Family members had to deal with the Dust Bowl. Um, you know, so uh, we, we had all those impacts, but then when that uh, uh, baby boom hit, I'm grateful that there was also a Jesus movement that addressed the emptiness and the, and the dearth of society. And it brought people into a place of deliverance and freedom and blessing. Who's glad for that? And that was, that was something that we were partakers of. We, my wife and I got, were products of that period. But then the Lord had us come through seasons through the 70s, 80s, 90s, and into the 2000s where 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 has prevailed in our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 illustrates what we're really supposed to hunker down on and do right now. Today I'm teaching about the value of the Bible, the scriptures inspired by God, and uh, my goal is to inspire you to always, in every situation, ask the question, what does the word have to say about this? God will teach us about integrity in our business endeavors. God will teach us about repentance when we sin. God will teach us about forgiveness when we're offended. God will teach us about giving when we're called to give and sow and support and advance in finance, kingdom advancement. God tells us about evangelism, that not to hold back, but to preach the gospel. God tells us that he's our comforter and that when, if and when we do suffer, uh, he will walk us through and he will help us out and he will always guide us and never leave us nor forsake us. Hallelujah. And it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, and this is my responsibility, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, a reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. So we are called uh, out of darkness to walk in this marvelous light. We are called with a holy calling to be about the Father's business, to think the thoughts of God, to get our minds renewed, to grow up in all aspects in Him, to uh, mature in the things of the faith. And I'm just happy to res restore ideas to you and identity to you that God's Word is a light and it's a lamp. We all need light on the subject. And, and, and if, you're, if you're taking notes, Proverbs 6.23, Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is a light, and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. My goal every time I come up and present the word to you is to point to Jesus, help you fall in love with your Bible, help you to get the, uh, make the crooked paths straight, get, hold up a a plumb line so that you can see things clearly. Uh, you could identify God's purposes for your life. We're to continue in the things we have learned and have become convinced of, knowing from whom we have learned them. Paul told Timothy that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I want to remind you, salvation, is it, it includes that new birth experience that keeps us out of hell and gets our names recorded in heaven. And that, of course, is paramount. 
But salvation is to be pervasive, and we need to understand its application. Sozo is the Greek word, and it means daily deliverance from the challenges and difficulties of life. Healing, deliverance, salvation, uh, correction, balance, uh, development, prosperity. It is a very, very broad and powerful word. He's able to save us to the uttermost. And so I want to become proficient in understanding salvation. My wife and I, in terms of cooking, have tried to up our game with two areas, hamburgers and bacon and eggs and, ha and hash browns. Now, I'm doing the bacon, eggs, and hash browns. I don't want anybody to correct me for bacon because everything's better with bacon. I have people tell me about bacon and algorithms and stuff, and I, but I'm going to just tell you that we have cooked, how many of you have ever cooked bacon and eggs and hash browns before? How many of you have ever cooked a hamburger? How many of you have had at least over a, a million hamburgers in your life? I mean, I mean, McDonald's has served like billions, and how many of you have been part of eating the billions of them, right? Maybe you have done a billion, but I just want to always up my game. Don't you want to up your game? I think we can improve. These musicians, David, for example, just graduated from college. He's been working here. He's a great young man, and he works hard with his instrument. I I've noticed he'll come in, and he will have been practicing and practicing. Dale who has been just mighty in the church for decades, taught him how to play. But then now, now David is taking on and developing and learning even more and more. Jonathan and Kingston, they played uh, uh, some music this weekend, and I just hear improvement. I see advancement. Some of the great elegant leaders of my earlier days, I watched them get better and better the older they got. They didn't get calcified. They and one guy that did kind of get drift into grumpiness, I noticed he had a great upswing toward the end of his life. He went through hard times, but he came through and was very sweet at the very end. Praise God. Uh, uh, the end of a matter is better than the beginning. How many of you would say, I aspire to up my game? Pablo Casals, the amazing cellist, when he was in his 80s, was practicing sometimes seven and eight hours a day. One of his friends said, Pablo, why do you keep practicing like this? He said, because I think I'm getting better. Oh, I love that. Um, Walt Disney was a great animator. And then there was a bunch of conflict uh, with labor unions and things. And he got so hurt and frustrated that he would retreat into his yard and ride on his little uh, scale model uh, train set. You know, this was his, this was his hobby. And he thought, well, I'll just take my hobby and I'll try to translate it into something else. He had two daughters and he would have a family day and he said he would take them to the local carousel where the kids would play on the carousel and he would just sit on the bench. And he thought, there ought to be an environment where the parents and the kids can all do it all together. So he got this creative idea in the context of, of being disappointed in a, tra a transition in his career and he was uh, uh, actually aging and yet he didn't calcify, and he got a good idea. So he bought some uh, orange grove land in Anaheim, California, and charted it all out and got some investors and some creatives to come around him and created what is now called Disneyland. And it's become an amazing thing. Uh, and it was a transitional idea when he was hurt and frustrated, and he was motivated that he wanted to improve his father-daughter relationship and make things a little bit better uh, for that situation. I think of Harlan Sanders uh, from Kentucky who had a gas station and was way out in the middle of nowhere and uh, he would fry chicken for the people because they were hungry 
and he went from uh, iron skillets to uh, he got creative with pressure cookers. And apparently these things would blow up, so he really paid a price, you know. Um, and he put oil in them instead of water, and he had engineers design them so that they would quit exploding, which is good, it's a good idea. And uh, at 65 years old, he took his herbs and spices and his deep fryers that were no longer uh, life-threatening, and uh, now, you know, he's, he's impacted the world with the idea that you can up your game. Everybody say, up your game. So my wife has been cooking me hamburgers, my, and my brother will attest to this. When our mother cooked hamburgers, they were like hockey pucks. They tasted like hockey pucks. They were hard like hockey pucks. In fact, we sold them to the NHL, and they used them for hockey pucks. My mom's not here to defend herself, but she actually knows this is true. So, But my wife just makes them delicious. Well, one time, you know, she got a lot of her cooking from her mother who was from the south and just cooked with a lot of love mom and dad and And, uh, one time Chelsea interviewed Mimi that's what they called her said Mimi how how do you make these hamburgers so good and she said I don't know how people mess theirs up (laughs) so she just explained her approach so we started to adopt and learn how many of you can learn from some things well now my wife is just keeps adding and improving and uh, this is making me hungry as I'm preaching this. And I hope that this is making you hungry for God because we need to study to show ourselves approved as workmen who need not be ashamed, handling accurately and rightly dividing the word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In Malachi, then the righteous turned to one another and spoke to one another and the Lord heard them and wrote it down. God cares when we bother to become sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and have a word of exhortation, a word of encouragement. When I visited your father in the hospital, I had a word for him, but then he had a word for me and he lived an extra year past what the doctor said he would live. He had more to offer, he had more to give. And and Alexis moves in this kind of directive from the Holy Spirit. God is looking for people that will pick up on this opportunity and up their game. I'm up in my game with bacon and eggs. My wife has been cooking hamburgers that are better than ever. And she puts the sides in there and just I just sit there and it's like, this is marvelous. It's freaking me out. And now I'm doing better with bacon and eggs and hash browns. And I am getting so good. And, and two days ago, I actually surprised her. She didn't even know I was cooking them. I worked in there, worked in there, slaved in the kitchen. And I cooked the bacon a certain way. I cooked the eggs a certain way. You know what I'm doing now? I'm gonna, you you want to know some of my secrets? Come next week, and I'll tell you some of my secrets. You want to know? I'll give you one secret. You want one secret? I boil water, and I heat up the plate, just like the restaurants. It took me 60-something years to figure that out. Remember they say, hey, the plate is hot, and they serve it with a, you know, with a towel? It's because they heated up the plate so the food stays hot. Duh, but I figured that out. That finally, by restating the obvious long enough, and that's what my mother-in-law said, I don't know how people mess theirs up. Just don't overcook it, spice it just right, flip it at the right time, get it certain crispy, cook it through, make it, and then, you know, serve it at the right time, serve it hot. But my wife is so impressed with my bacon and eggs that she wants to renew our vows. It is magnificent. I heat the plate. I serve them just right. 
The yolk's got to be a certain way. I got to flip it at the certain time, just the right amount of salt and pepper. In my case, I don't think you're having good meal unless your nose runs and your mouth burns, so I put in hot sauce in there. Some of you, I just lost some of you, but all the right people and the righteous people understand what I'm talking about, right? Come on, all the people that like hot stuff, hallelujah. But she's just, man, this is magnificent. Jeff, this is amazing. And I think I'm going to do it better the next time. And you think, that's kind of silly. And here's where we miss it in life. Colonel Sanders could have said, I'm 65 years old, man. I've been flipping these chicken wings and drumsticks for so long and serving up gas. I'm tired of it. I'm done with it. But no, he got a resurgence. Disney could have said, I've already made my millions doing these beautiful films and, you know, Sleeping Beauty and some of the amazing animation, precedent setting, beautiful saturated color, rallying some of the greatest people. He could have rested on his laurels. But yet then he pushed through and created another dimension through his life of creativity. I've seen this with, uh, I saw this with Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts was an anointed man of God in the healing times of the 1940s and 50s. And then there was a great move of the Holy Spirit, and then there was a lull, an out-of-season period. And then through that lull, then it, there, it became the Jesus movement, where there was a great harvest amongst the lost, revival in the church, denominational churches were being stirred with the power of the Holy Spirit. But here, Oral Roberts, in between seasons, got an idea to start a university. And in the university, he wanted to uh, educate the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. And he had a passion, and his, his byline was bringing Jesus or taking Jesus into every man's world. I know this because one of my children graduated from there, and I was invited for over a decade to speak at their chapel and got to be immersed in and uh, stand on the platform of this elegant Christian who was instant and ready in season and out of season, much like Disney coming from animation and then going into the development of an amusement park, or much like Harlan Sanders going from gas station ownership, a little motel, cooking a little bit of food, to get in a creative idea, which actually was precipitated by the fact that in Kentucky they moved the highway system and started to build highways at a time when he was ready to start to ease up, but then the Lord said no. In his case, he got saved actually during this time. And he, uh, wonderful things happened to him. That's better than his amazing food and better than his amazing breakthrough of business. The best part of his life was that he got saved as an old man. And you can actually Google and you'll see him interviewed with his little tie and his little goatee and his black rimmed glasses and his beautiful white hair. And he said, man, I'm so concerned for my elderly brothers and sisters, but my contemporaries, I was lost. I wasn't saved. I want to see people get saved. I don't know where Disney ended up. I know Harlan Sanders had a testimony of having gotten born again. He was concerned about swearing so much. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he, he got wonderfully saved, and God curbed that and cleansed him. And in the end of his life, he just wanted to share Jesus. He wanted his contemporaries to get saved. I want our church to be on fire for Jesus. I want each one of us to be proficient in God's word. I want you to study and understand, first of all, that the Bible is a gift to us. It's divinely inspired, uh, that God had people moved by the Holy Spirit. It says in 2 Peter 1.19, and so we have the prophetic word made more sure. 
I heard a lot of prophecies that uh, on the internet like you did, and I had to test all of it, and I had to not despise prophecy. I had to hold to what was good and refrain from what wasn't. I didn't want my ears tickled. I wanted to hear the important word of God. We have a more sure word of prophecy. So people, men and women, come and go, and they say what they say, and then you just test it with the word of God. We'll do well to go right to this book, and God will guide us, and God will help us to have discernment. Can I hear an amen? And so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a light shining in a dark place. Pay attention. My son, attend to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them escape your sight. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. But, but keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? For they are life to those who find them and they are health to all their flesh. Psalm 107 verse 20 said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. The centurion said just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. In Romans chapter 10 verse 17 it says so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. There's something about Jesus, Tom Kosky who just went home to be with the Lord. One of the last conversations I had with him, he pointed out to me. He said, now, Pastor Jeff, you were saying faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That actually says Christ, and that is not theos, it's Christos, and meaning it's all about Jesus. So the last thing, Brother Tom, who was a Lutheran, who got spirit-filled, got the left foot of fellowship, uh, one of the last things he downloaded in our church as an elegant, elder, great man of God, uh, he, he reminded me that it's all about Jesus. Everybody say, it's all about Jesus. What a great message to have heard. That's the last imprint I got from that dear man. He pointed me back to Jesus. When Trey and I, I was 12, he was nine. My mom dumped us off at a little uh, Lutheran church that we weren't even members of because she saw a sign that said Vacation Bible School and she wanted to unload the two incorrigible kids, mainly Trey, to (laughs) Vacation Bible School. No, he's a sweet one. And uh, we had to sit through that, and we had to, I remember we had a Dixie cup with topsoil and a pinto bean, and we learned that you sow and you, you know, you reap, and then we had uh, uh, tongue depressors and cotton uh, balls and and construction paper and mint-flavored paste. I know what it tasted like because I ate it, And, and we made sheep so that we could say that we're the sheep of his pasture and all that kind of stuff, and I remember that stuff, but what I really remember is when this pastor came out and spoke scriptures over us on the picnic tables outside the church uh, complex, outside over by the parking lot on a hot, hazy, smoggy summer day in the middle of Southern California and shared the gospel with me. And that was actually Tom Kosky. He was the pastor out there. And it's a phenomenon. I don't even know how it all came full circle all these years later when then I had the privilege to be his pastor at the end of his life. He had an impact. How about that? I live the dream, man. I'm living in the miraculous. How about you? And I'm telling you, we, when we pray, we believe we receive. We, we might as well be believers around here. We might as well feed our faith and starve our doubts to death. We might as well base our lives on the more sure word of prophecy, the scripture. What does the Bible have to say about things? Psalm 19, verse 8, I love it. It says, the precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. He'll take you out of dullness. He'll give you clarity. He'll show you what to do. 
Times when I haven't known what to do, I just knew that God had a plan that his word, if I meditate on it, it's like a two-edged sword. It'll make distinction between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, help me not to be fleshly, help me not to be soulish. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, yesterday they were highlighting in the Bible for Joe and for Stacy Kowalik, uh, their favorite verses. They had an idea at the signing table to have a Bible and the, the, the guests would highlight. I highlighted uh, John 14, 6. Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. The girl before me, I said, which one did you highlight? And she said, Proverbs 3, 5, not to lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, he'll direct the paths. I said, oh, that was a good one. That was the one I wanted to highlight. So we fought over it, you know. But all of them are good. If you really want to, technically, if you want to highlight the best scriptures, you'd have to highlight your whole Bible and then just keep getting new Bibles. Did you know? The word of God is a sure word. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's the foundation for life and conduct. It'll help us through the battles of life. It'll equip us for every work of service. It'll strengthen us and fortify us when we feel depressed and depleted. The joy of the Lord comes as we understand how good he is. And in Psalm 119, verse 105, the signature verse of the Bible, I would suppose, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Whenever I get on airplanes and they tell you you're going to go through an overnight flight in case the power goes out, there will be automatic lighting to show you how to get out of there and with the exit. Notice where your exits are, and I do that. And I'm thankful for those little strip of lights they put in there that get generated in case the other power goes out. And since this world is engrossed in harsh darkness, it's really good for us to understand that his word is the floodlight, the searchlight, the flashlight, the fire that will provide direction for us and will flood our path with direction and, 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 and light. Psalm 119, verse 30, uh, I love 130, I love this verse so much. The unfolding of your words gives light. I remember when I was in Bible school and one of the students was from South Africa and he and his family specialized in the diamond trade. And it was fascinating to me because he was paying his way through school with diamonds that he brought over and he was, it was amazing. And what was funny is he had them in his pocket folded up in little bitty little wads of, uh, of paper and, he, and he'd pull them out and he goes, well, I'm gonna pay my tuition with this and he pulls this out and he goes, and there's this little mini doorknob, like three acre, uh, three acre, three carat. Uh, uh, and he said, this is, the, uh, and he's had all the clarity, color, carrot, all that stuff. And, you know, and I, I was just kind of looking at it. I was a newlywed. You know, we scraped together to get like a little simple little set of things. And he comes in with this headlight from South Africa. And what, well, what I remembered, though, was the unfolding of the paper and how it went from this little funny, little dingy-looking thing, all of a sudden, as it was unfolded, it revealed this amazing gem. Do you know the unfolding of his word gives light? The, the, the entrance of his word brings revelation. Uh, that, that, that this will, in fact, listen, this will, in fact, improve your positional awareness as you go through the harshness of our crazy world. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul said, realize this, that in the end of the end of the end days, difficult, challenging, harsh times will come. 
He identifies 2,000 years ago to Timothy how harsh the Roman Empire was, how the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages would be, how the Depression and during the Nazi era and all the crazy stuff that's happened through societies throughout the world, Pol Pot in Cambodia, all the horrendousness of the fallen world. But then he said, but yet at the end of the end days, it's going to be even weirder. And there will have to be a breed of men, women, and children that are equipped filled with the word of God, aware that the supernatural is for today, hunger and thirst for righteousness, believe God for signs, wonders, and miracles, get filled with the word. Hey, if Harlan Sanders can go and figure out a new thing at 65 years old, you can learn new things at every season of your life. If Pablo Casals, the cellist, can study and practice and improve in his 80s, so can you. And as a church, I'm telling you, we have an amazing track record. The Lord has been so good to us, but I'm convinced that for us, the best is yet to come. I'm excited to lift up my eyes and see the fields are white to harvest. I'm excited that we're called to arise and shine. Why? Because our light has come. See, the the entrance of his word gives light just by opening up. This is what Billy Graham said. Just read a chapter out of the Bible and it will change your thinking. He used to pray from Psalm 119, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your law. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your word. Now I'm running out of time, but I just want to get this over to you. I want to get this over to you. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is where I want to finish because this is where we'll never end. I'm going to tell you this has to be perpetuating. This is what I like about Harlan Sanders' story. It's not a story of instant uh, shortcut to a a sensation. It's the lifetime of obedience and hard work with acting on an opportunity. And the opportunities usually were in the midst and context of difficulty. Uh, He had his road moved from his hotel, motel, gas station, and it was basically the death knell to his business. But yet, he didn't let that depress him or stop him. He gathered up what he had, and he moved forward into it and began a new thing. Walt Disney, when they were all protesting, and, and there was failure all over the scenarios of his moment, and he was so discouraged by what had happened. He had treated people so well, and that there was such a harshness that took place. And he, was, he, he could have become depressed and bitter, walked away with his millions of dollars, and just go live the rest of his life in obscurity. But then instead... He got a creative idea. Why don't I create an amusement park to connect families so they could all have fun together, not just the kids but the adults and not just the adults but the kids. What a beautiful idea. Simple. Make it great. They said, well, all the carnies and the people that go there, they're, they're weird and they're, they're unmannerly. He goes, well, mine won't be. And he, treated them a, he taught them a better culture. He taught them better systems. You know the anointing is on this right now? Do you know by what I mean by that is God is downloading some directives, prophetic heads up. We're about ready to be uh, delegated with and called upon for some, some specific action as a church, as a people. You as individuals are deployed in this world as a forward presence of the kingdom of God. The Bible calls you ambassadors for Christ. Your citizenship is heaven. You carry a different vibe, a different tone, a different spirit. Caleb had a different spirit in him because he sought the Lord, his God, fully. As long as they sought the Lord, Uzziah, the king of Judah, God made him prosper. 
And I told you I wanted to close with Acts chapter 2, but I'm actually going to close with what I wanted to start with, Psalm 1. But Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says of the early church, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. While you were gone at the beginning of the pandemic, we remodeled the foyer to expand its space, and we turned the windowsill into a beautiful granite uh, projected little shelf, and we bought uh, several dozen uh, stools. Well, this was all during the time where we shouldn't sit together, we shouldn't talk to each other, we had a mask up and all that stuff, but yet we knew eventually that would lift and we'd be able to resume healthy, vibrant, personal connection. We put a delay on re-upping the children's church. Now we're going to make plans too in the upcoming weeks, uh, re-up that and get the kids back in there so we could train them up in the way they should go. They could have an environment where they could socialize with their own peer level. We'll do our best to do the best job we possibly can. But man, eventually you're going to be able to enjoy the foyer. Yesterday I was in a place where a place uh, reclaimed some of their rooftop where they had gravel aggregate and they pushed it all off, put tile on it, put a special kind of a uh, canopy over it and turned it into a beautiful, elegant space. So we've looked into this with even our patio in the front. We've talked about this. We've had designers design them. We've thought about it. But I think we just need to prepare for increase. We need to prepare for people coming in in brokenness and coming in out of shipwreck and coming in from different walks of life. And I believe we're about ready to see a resurgence of the presence of the Lord coming into people's households, into people's lives. Uh, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Hallelujah. But we've got to continually devote ourselves. We, we continue to submit to the Lord. In fact, it says this in 2 Timothy 3.14, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. Everybody say continue. I have found there's a power and a value in continuing. It's easy to just have start a bunch of stuff and then never finish it. It's easy to get excitable about things, but I'm telling you, it's a whole other unique, rarefied lifestyle to continue. Everybody say continue. They continually devoted themselves. They continually offered up a sacrifice of praise. When Pastor Patsy exhorted us to spend time being thankful, in everything give thanks. We should continually offer up thanksgiving in the midst of our trials and hardships. She said, think of three things to be thankful for. I thought of three things. I'm saved. I thought about something God's answered my prayer on. I thought about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I was thankful. I'm so thankful for our church body. I just so appreciate and love you guys. I can't wait till we can just have all those long, lingering, awkward hugs. I'm just, I have so much backlog hugging in me, man. It's going to be ridiculous. Just to be warned, be warned. But let's finish with Psalm 1. Let's all stand up on our feet and we'll finish with Psalm 1. And if you don't have your Bible with you, you can read the New American Standard up on the screen here with me. Let's read these six verses out loud, okay? You guys stay plugged in with me. Re you ready? How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. 
and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, what? He prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So here's the righteous and the wicked contrasted, and it's all based on what we do with the word of God. I'll close with this. We're like trees. And we have at our house, back when we moved in, a tree had died and there was just a dead stump. We thought it was dead, but then a, a shoot came up out of it. A shoot came up out of it. And I, I didn't bother to mess with it. I just left it alone. Well, that shoot grew up and is now one of the most elegant, most beautifully symmetrical uh, trees because it's away from woods and it's out in the middle of the lawn so it has the benefit of a lot of sunshine and it, and it doesn't have any splotchy sides or competition and it's just amazing in its symmetry it's so tall it's so elegant and it by the way since it's spring now the leaves have just all come back even when it was bare tree it just had a beauty to it the the circumference of the trunk it's just so beautiful and I haven't even tried, had to cultivate anything or cut branches. I suppose I need to a little bit now, but it's just been a, the, a beautiful thing that just, and it came out of something that looked like it was dead and gone. It came out of something. And in fact, in Job, it even says the same thing, that, that, a, that a root will respond to water. And I'm, we've come through a dry and weary situation. There are people that now are going to respond to stuff we take for granted, but they're gonna, they're gonna come to the brightness of your shining. And I'm telling you, it would behoove us to come to the word of God, take hold of it to, to a lamp shining in a dark place and, and meditate on it day and night. Uh, as we do and as we act on it, we will see signs, wonders, and miracles occur on an increased level. We'll see more people get saved. We'll see more answers to prayer. We'll see more breakthrough. We'll see more abundance, more prosperity, more of a supernatural manifestation. Who would like to see that? Society needs for us to be about the Father's business. I mean, this is more important than Kentucky Fried Chicken, more important than Walt Disney World. This is more important than any of the things I mentioned. This, in fact, has to do with eternity. This has to do with souls. This has to do with salvation, with deliverance, with freedom, with overcoming, defeating the devil and winning in life. So here's your homework. Study to show yourselves approved unto God. Get your Bible. Pour through it. Read a chapter or two a day. Spend time in the Word. Enjoy it. Continually devote yourself to the apostles' teaching. Study to show yourself approved to God. Get ready for increase. Assume that God may want to do something through you. Again, Oral Roberts, between the healing revival and before the Jesus movement, got an idea during a lull to start a university. Didn't you guys go to that university? Keith and Risa, didn't you meet there? On the platform of Oral's obedience in between two movements, he built an environment where those two met each other, fell in love and cranked out awesome kids. Keith and Risa Troyer over there, beautiful members of our church. And they met and fell in love and they're really in love. I pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss each other. Oh, come on, Risa. He just kissed you on the head. Get up. 
We'll finish with that lip kiss over there. God bless you guys. Go out and have a great day. Stay in the Word. Hallelujah. <laughs>